uh, criminal justice system uh, have mental illness. And, you know, something like statistically 50% of all people have mental illness, period, as far as the men. And then, you know, something like 25%. I mean, again, I may be wrong on my statistics, but are, are, have serious drug problems or all three together. And that's a very toxic mix. And essentially, uh, the catch-all that's happened is that the justice system has become kind of like the the place of uh, of last resort. And because of that, it's actually bit, become the place where all these kinds of people have ended up coming to and, in fact, are <laughs> almost uniquely... Um, poorly served by that system. And so, you know, what what we have discussed, at least as, in, in, as a group, is to say, you know, there needs to be supportive housing for people who are, who are uh, mentally ill. There needs to be, in fact, maybe kind of a return to the asylum, if you had to say that in its most benign sense, rather than as a reform kind of institution, but clearly there needs to be a lot of places in society that there aren't right now. And I think the intersection here with your committee is that we think actually that mental health is one of the very key points of the whole uh, criminal justice crisis. And I think we all acknowledge too that the criminal justice system is 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 simply dysfunctional in many many ways, and is not is not working in the way it should, and a large part of that is that you have the wrong people in the wrong place getting treated in the wrong way, and that is not leading to good results. So part of what we're trying to do is a search for how do we make things better, and that's where I think you know we've looked to to you as as maybe one source where we have a common interest i believe that we should be talking about this or at least suggesting possible ways to um you know at least get the problem understood by the public and then um you know bring this to to uh maybe a way of having some action. So uh, this was actually a memo that we had sent out that, that, that actually Ken Rickey from uh, Ricky Green had sent out to the Justice wow. Committee. And it's just, if I want to skim read, is that he's sort of saying, well, I suggest the key to the jail crisis is to find a way to the mental and behavioral health issues outside of the justice system. And, you know, he's sort of pointing to a number of people that are out there, and I guess, you know, we can share this memo with anybody that would care to read it, but, you know, it's from a number of sources uh, from, you know, the, from authors and judges and uh, the Greenberger Center and other people who have all looked at this problem and have said, hey, <laughs> you know, we can do a lot better than this. And so I think, again, it's for us to sort of, uh, table this as an issue for uh, everyone's consideration, you know, I think it would be useful to, in fact, have some kind of forum where we can talk about all these. And uh, I think we certainly are aware of people on the justice side that can speak to it, but probably you also have other people from the healthcare side that would also have some useful 
understandings of how do we come to a, a solution about this? Because I think if we're ever to actually make good on the idea of um, only the uh, of, of minimizing the amount of people that are incarcerated and minimizing the kind of harm that the system does and actually have a system that genuinely works, we need to kind of start to look at other solutions beyond just beyond just only creating something even uh, you know as as other jails or prisons and so we need to actually have supportive housing we need to have systems where people who need that kind of help can get help and that's what we thought might be a useful topic just to kind of throw on the table there so that's <laughs> that's kind of what essentially what why why we um contacted Elizabeth and James and said, hey, maybe we can all talk and try to figure out a way to get this to a wider audience. I don't know, Price do you, or, or Andre or Lisa, do you want to join in with anything else, your own thoughts on this? No, I, I think, I think Steve, you, you summed it up very well. Um, there's the issue of, of mental and behavioral health, um, but then there's the reality that many people are coming into the justice system who are chronically ill and um, start treatment uh, are released, and then how do we make sure that they are able to continue that medical treatment? Um, so there's, you know, there's a whole panoply of issues out there. Absolutely. I mean, and this all, you know, ties into what we're hearing in the news too about some of the, the healthcare access and and care for for those who are currently. Um, in, in jails um, now, especially with COVID and access to their families and their well-being. Um, so, uh, you know, I think there's a, you know, immediate response and, you know, how they are getting PPE and how they're living in their current quarters and conditions. Um, you know, even their mental health state with not having access to people um, is quite different than it was even before the pandemic. So. I mean, I think it, I think it would be nice, as you mentioned, like a, a some type of a forum or event or a panel that we can do as a joint program. I mean, I'd like to open it up to some of the committee members here and and see if there would be any interest in in doing a joint program, um, or some kind of a design charrette or something around this. Alvin or Tim or. Any of you guys have any thoughts? No, that's okay. You know, it's fine. I appreciate that what you're, Stephen, this, 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 this fusion, and it, it's kind of related. It's about how, you know, kind of taking a, a certain group of need and putting them in the wrong place. How do you begin to address that if I'm following you properly? And it reminds me, it's a story about many years ago, I think it was, you know, a lot of Black Lives Matter related to it, where um, the, the, the chief of the Dallas police one time said, we're being asked to do a lot of things that we're not prepared to do. And it does deal with homeless. It does deal with mental health. It does deal with drug addiction. That these things that sometimes this, this pack just kind of putting it away. And it's really about how you call about behavioral health, uh, um, substance abuse, these issues that begin to affect society, right, in general. And, and instead of just putting into this, the incarcerate them is how, what, what, kind of, what kind of conversations, what kind of, what kind of interactions that we can begin to come up with. That's just my first gut feeling. Um, I like this. I like, I thank you for coming here. I really appreciate you bringing this to us because it definitely does. Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm dealing with some other project right now with, you know, where there's, we're not dealing direct, we're indirectly supporting, but like, you know, CHS, right? So you're we're dealing with the, the correctional hospital health services, you know, and that nature, but that's, there's, there's different ways to really break that out. So, um, yeah, I'd love to see what, what we can do further with that. Okay. And come together and have that dialogue. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Because there are as many ways, many roads we can go down here and really see what, what's the best right. and also best, best care. Right. I mean, I think if there's a way for us to help sort of recontextualize the problem, right? Because I'm not, I'm not suggesting that the, the, the correctional service doesn't need a health service. Of course, the, the, there needs to be a CHS. But I think starting with the sort of criminalization of behavioral and mental health issues is, is maybe a good place to, mm-hmm. a good place to start a conversation about where this intersection lives between health care and health and wellness and human well-being. Mm-hmm. And the criminal justice system, you know, because it just, um, it's interesting, you know, when the, a lot of the public institutions were sort of defunded under the Reagan administration, I guess that's 40 years ago now, um, um, created an enormous, um, uh, it created an enormous problem for people with mental health issues. I mean, those resources went away in a matter of, you know, six months, a year, uh, in the first term. And so, and, and there's never been uh, a, a kind of institutional or structural response to, to that, right? So the, the states have tried different ways to deal with it. And I think it's just sort of de facto fallen to the police <laughs> Because uh, they end up being the sort of frontline workers who encounter uh, these folks, and uh, they're just not equipped to help them. And they only have one place they can really steer them, or two places they can really steer them. And so I'm wondering if um, the mental and behavioral health system itself doesn't need a, a going over, you know, in terms of how it... Uh, Reaches out into the, it reaches out into our communities and the kinds of services it's providing to support them. So it doesn't all fall to the, you know, to police and emergency, you know, first responders and so on. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, the, the simple way, Jim Elizabeth, to get this started. Uh, it is always uh, a joint panel discussion. Um, a, a, right. a firm or other other uh, architects involved in behavioral health, or in some in some fa- other fashion of the, the intersection of justice and healthcare, and, right. and a panel of uh, multi experts on both sides. We go from there. You know, that, that always begins to get the discussion and the dialogue out there. Mm-hmm. And it, uh, this is more of a question, I guess, for those on the call who are, who work in, in criminal justice. I mean, do you think um, that somebody from the city or the state would be interested in joining a panel discussion or a couple of people um, sure. around these issues, around this intersection? Absolutely. There's a number of people who... And yes. involved in that who 
understand completely this 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 intersectionality. Yeah, I mean, I, I would be really curious to hear from some people who are kind of living in this system every day because they must. Uh, uh, yeah. the, the more thoughtful of them would have some very, very strong ideas and opinions about how it could be better, I would think. Mm -hmm. There's also a socioeconomic factor to it also, because let's, you know, in terms of behavioral health, uh, substance abuse and addiction, um, to those who have the means can get, the be can get better care, um, as opposed to those who do not have those means, which then fall within the system itself, unfortunately, and which is not well equipped to begin to assist and provide that recovery for those individuals, um, which then gets drowned into that lost into that system. So there's also that that aspects of the underserved, right? That's so it's another a component to that as the uh, you know for those who do not have, are economically or socially are you know are, are in a situation where this becomes the rehabilitation, it's, which is. Uh, uh, unfortunate and then also change of attitudes towards what is um the old laws of that were probably surrounding a lot of this too which is i don't know in depth but they, they speak of the rockefeller laws a lot of the drug laws that were created which also put people in very you know the incarceration and, and, and as opposed to being rehabilitated or to, be, to provide assistance so there's i mean maybe i'm getting maybe i'm digging too deep but i think that, that there's all there's some interesting dynamics or people who can be part of this conversation to help us better understand it. Because I think from my perspective, I don't know enough where it's also a lot of times to find those people who we can listen to and learn from, uh, from their own experience. Well said, Sam. Well, maybe as some action steps, we could try to um, sort of you know, have a, have a maybe side committee of people that are interested in trying to develop a forum and maybe we can just try to work on who can we call, who could we contact and ask right. them if they might be interested and maybe target a date sometime in the future where we think we can either have some kind of a, a larger Zoom call or, or whatever. I'm not sure how this works now. And, the age of COVID, but, you know, where we can bring a, a bigger forum together of people who are experts and have, have people uh, help us. So maybe that's we something. We can host it as a panel, Stephen. Yeah, we, I yeah, think that would we be can good. We can definitely do that. I mean, we've, we've done it a couple of times already, and I'm sure uh, people on this call, myself included, have been panelists on Zoom calls over the last uh, 10 months or so. So it's... Um, it's something we can fairly easily pull together, but I think you're right. There's kind of an interim step before we get there to formulate mm -hmm. a, a, a kind of an agenda or right. uh, the, the, the issues that we would like the panel to address. And that obviously then will inform who we're reaching out to. Right? We can reach out. Well, I'd like to propose perhaps we put together a timeline that let's say in four weeks, another month, like a subcommittee to talk about an agenda and then create a panel from that. And then for maybe February or March, do a, a joint panel. I think it would take us you know, about two months to pull this together and make sure we're getting the word out through the AIA and getting things on the calendar. So maybe for the, the spring sure. quarter first. I, yeah. think that's, I think that's realistic. Okay. Yeah. 
I just want to get yeah. together some actual items that we can keep keep this moving forward. And so I think that there will be a, a lot of interest um, around this. And um, there's a lot of intersection with some of the other committees as, as well as. Yeah. Right, like diversity inclusion. I mean, there's there's a lot of other people that actually should be part of these voices. I think to, you know, if you talk about Black Lives Matter, or you talk about any of the intersections where this has clearly touched a lot of people. I think we need to kind of gather the people that are right. you know, affected by that and basically look at that. Maybe that can be helpful to kind of get the dialogue going. Right. Yeah, I am. Um, uh, this is Bill. I'm Bill, friends with Barbara Nadell, and she is still. Uh, she's a previous healthcare architect, but she has a criminal justice uh, practice that she has been running for about the last fifteen or twenty years. And I could uh, contact her and uh, see if she has any suggested panel speakers or people that she's dealt with. This is, this sounds like something that's right up her alley. And uh, after this meeting is over, I will uh, send her an email and see if she's willing to assist us. Thank you, Bill. Does anybody else have any other comments? Um, uh, Price, you, you were about to say something. No, I, before. I think we covered it. All right. Thank, well, we thank you. thank you for coming to our, our meeting and you're welcome to stay on to hear oh, our next gen presentation. Um, sure. But I, I'd also um, want to thank those that are that are new to this call. I know that there's quite a few that um, through social media and pushing from E4H who are in attendance. Um, it's you do not need to be a member. Um, anybody can join these meetings, so we welcome you. We hope that um, just from this discussion that this will pique your interest for future meetings um, and that you'll consider attending and that if you have other next-gen presenters who might want to present in the future, um, we also welcome those. The next one will be in February if we have any um, people who are interested. Um, please reach out to uh, Jim and I. Okay, I would like to turn this over to um, Mali um, Basulek. Basumalik. Basu I'm oh, sorry, I said that wrong, even though I had a whole prompt for that. So, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> Go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Mali Basumalik. I'm a healthcare designer at E4H, um, and I will be sharing one of our favorite, favorite projects uh, that I've been working on for the past couple of years. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Sure. Can you tell us a little bit about your, your background with, and, and how long have you been in healthcare? Sure. Um, so I've been in the industry for eight years, and I've been in healthcare specifically for five years now. Um, I joined DeSilva and we, you know, morphed into E4H. Um, my background is kind of non-traditional. I actually studied sculpture and architecture, um, but I somehow found my way into architecture, um, find it fascinating. Uh, I'm also a huge plant collector and I like to teach ceramics on the weekend. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's just me in a nutshell. <laughs> okay. 
Well, thank you for sharing. I think it's always important to hear a little bit about who you are before we dive right into it. So this is an opportunity here. So um, we're going to, it's up to you how you want to handle this. So if you want to welcome questions throughout, um, or if you want to give the presentation, we can open up a dialogue at the end for questions and comments. Everyone here is very friendly. <laughs> Except for some of the Except me. That's different, Alex. <laughs> for the most part, right. For the most part, they're friendly. <laughs> yeah, feel free to yeah. jump in with questions anytime. Great. Okay. Feel free to type them in the comments um, or just um, interrupt or send, send me a note so I can make we can make a pause. Um, Mary, do you want to share your screen now? Sure. Let me get started. Share. Slide show. Can everyone see my screen? Yes. Awesome. Yes. All right, let's get the show on the road. Um, so again, my name is Mali, and I'll be presenting uh, the cosmetic upgrades at the Lyman and Hooker buildings at, with uh, the Gaylord Specialty Hospital. Um, so I could talk about this project all day because it's a big one, um, but I want to keep it short and uh, outlined an agenda. Um, we'll be, I'll give a, a short, 